Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ed Kless with my good friend and co-host Ron Baker, and folks, on today's show, the problem, or problems, with CPE. Ron, how you doing? Good, Ed. We don't have enough time. <laughs> we don't have enough time for this topic already? No. You're just declaring it right yeah. now? Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then let's just jump right into it. We have two fantastic guests to talk about this, both of whom are, are really, uh, I think, sages as, as well as way ahead of their time with regard to, to making changes to the, the problems with CPE in the accounting profession as well as other professions. Uh, let me first uh, read on uh, Blake Oliver. Blake is a CPA, entrepreneur, writer, podcaster who specializes in cloud accounting technology, one of today's most top 100 influential people in accounting, and has been named to the 40 under 40. You still on that list, Blake? Are you still under 40? Or have, uh, have you... Yes, I, I, I'm squeaking in still. Squeaking sure. in still. Okay, so it's on that. He produces and and co-hosts the Cloud Accounting Podcast, the top 50 business podcasts on Apple Charts, uh, and is the director of marketing. Well, not anymore. For You used to be at Giraffe, but you're not anymore. Yeah. But we, we are, you're now at Earmark CPE, so we're happy to have you as, as part of that. Michael Kravchek is the co-founder, CEO, and oft-times main host of uh, LumaQ. LumaQ is a mobile podcast app where engaging conversation with business leaders can count verifiable performance professional education with a slick mobile app, automatic documentation and tracking new episodes weekly. They have made CPE enjoyable again. Welcome, gentlemen, to the Soul of Enterprise. Blake, we're going to start with you. Hey, thanks, Ed. Great to be why, here. Why, why, did, why did you need to fix CPE? How are you going about doing this with, with your mark CPE? So uh, I got my start as a bookkeeper doing accounting services. I had my own firm, and uh, I was very fortunate to grow that and sell it. And after I left public accounting... Um, I went to work for some technology companies as a product marketer, and I learned that the role of a product marketer in many companies is to create CPE courses that can be paired with sales and marketing efforts uh, to educate, educate our customers, educate our prospects. And what that meant practically is that I was doing a lot of webinars, a lot of CPE webinars for accountants. And doing those over many years, and, and also in-person um, CPE, I became aware of many of the limitations of, of this model. Um, and I just, I just experienced this this past week. I, I spent Monday through Wednesday traveling all the way from Scottsdale, Arizona, where I live, to Jacksonville, Florida, to give a one-hour CPE presentation for about 200 people and then come all the way back. And I lost, you know, two days, two days doing that. Um, and so, you know, like doing that for years, I just, I just became aware of like how in the past CPE is, how inconvenient it is having to go to seminars all day long, sit there. And I, I see the people sitting in these sessions and they're not listening. They're, they're attending because it's all packed together. They can get all their CPE all at once. And it's not necessarily relevant to what they need to know. It's, can, it's, it's, it's just checking the box. And so anyway, earmark 
is a way to make CPE less check the box and more let's enjoy what we're doing. Let's learn something relevant. Um, and, and so we do that by adding CPE to podcasts, which is not a new concept. Uh, Michael here has been doing this also. I, I became aware of, of LumiQ and, and Michael uh, over, the, uh, over the time I was building my app and, and I, I very much admire what they're doing, coming at it from a slightly different perspective. Well, Blake, and yours actually started with a question about your podcast, right? You had people asking you about it. Yeah, yeah. So we had listeners for years saying, hey, I listen to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, which is the number one podcast for accountants and bookkeepers in the world. And they, uh, they kept saying, hey, I learned so much from this, I should be able to earn CPE credit for it. And so that was in the back of my mind for a long, long time. And eventually, I decided, uh, you know, it's like those, those ideas, they, they just gnaw at the back of your head long enough, and then you eventually have to start a business. Because you, you think, I, I, I got to do this. I got to get it off my, out of the back of my head and into the real world. So that's and, and, the and talk a little bit about the business model aspect. How is it that you, you really have gone to market with, for, for this? Uh, so it's a mobile app, and it's available on Apple and Android devices. You download the app, you install it, and you can find courses that are built out of podcast episodes. So you listen to an episode. Uh, we also do YouTube videos, so you can watch a YouTube video. And then you can take a quiz, and we satisfy all the NASBA requirements uh, for CPE, self-study CPE. And one thing that is important to me about our model is that it's user-generated or member-generated content. So if you have a podcast that's for accountants, or bookkeepers, CMAs, CPAs, you can submit that to Earmark and add the CPE to it, and then they can earn credit. Okay. And the model is where, where are you making the money from? Right now, we're not making any money. Okay. Right? <laughs> we do aim to add a subscription offering for our members in the coming months. So the idea is if you get a lot out of the app, you can pay for an annual subscription and you can get premium features, built-in podcast player, uh, premium content, that sort of thing. But I, I always want it to have a free way to earn CPE because, I don't know, this is the knowledge economy. And mm -hmm. we all benefit when we share knowledge. That's my philosophy. So um, we need to open up sharing of information as a profession. That's how we get better, not by putting it you know, behind expensive walls. Mm-hmm. And Michael, talk about your journey. How did, how, how did you get involved in this uh, CPE via podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit different in the sense that we didn't have an idea that was gnawing at us, but my, my co-founder Adam and I really wanted to start a business and we were playing around with all sorts of different ideas. And I mean, we definitely don't have long enough to talk about that journey because we went through probably 18 or 20 of them trying to validate them with the market and finding out that most of the time, even though my mom thinks our ideas are cool, that other people <laughs> didn't. Um, the, the one that we ended up launching with ended up being in the recruitment space, was focused on CPAs. I'm a CPA as, as well. I didn't, didn't come at it from like the cloud or small firm thing. I did the Ernst & Young, you know, big four audit path. Um, and we had launched a product that was kind of like, I guess, a smart job alert is the best way to think about it. And it was doing all right. It was just doing all right. It wasn't scaling fast enough. Um, and we were putting a lot of effort in to get every dollar out. And 
my co-founder and I are really, really big on being close with our market. And so we spent countless hours talking to CPAs about what their pain points were. And over and over again, CPE, or as us Canadians call it, CPD, um, that was just, that just kept on coming up. A lot of the stuff that Blake just mentioned, you know, people were checking the box. They weren't finding value in it. They were scrambling to do it at the end of the year, just, just to make sure they didn't lose their letters. And we said to ourselves, well, maybe we can, we can do something about this. And at the time we were putting on live events for the CPA community. We were also doing um, all sorts of interrelated things to try to get people on what was our recruiting platform. And I don't know if anybody remembers, remember that hot moment like three and a half, four years ago? Well, I guess it was maybe longer, four and a half, five years ago. It's because COVID, COVID two was two <laughs> years right, and yeah. it's condensed the, into one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. COVID time <laughs> dilation device. Um, <laughs> do you remember when uh, the HQ trivia app was all the rage? Yes. Oh, like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So we, we, we were like, well, maybe we should do something like that. And then we were like, it kind of feels like it's going to be a flash in the pan. And it turns out it was. And... <laughs> We said, well, okay, how can we do this in, in a better way than that? And, and my co-founder and I have always been huge podcast fans for many, many years. I'm a big history nerd. So, you know, it's all about Dan Carlin, hardcore history. Mm. For me, that's what got me into the whole medium. And so we gave it a shot. We sat down, we recorded ourselves on a fake podcast talking about, I don't even remember what, with our iPhones as, you know, as, as, as recording devices. And we just started doing what we always do is we went to our market, we went to CPAs and we said, what do you think of this? And they started giving us great ideas about how we can make this better and better and better. And, uh, and we just decided to launch something. And so we, you know, we had an in-house dev team at the time. And so we built a, an app out of it, went out and the response was just, it was absolutely palpable. And so we dropped at that point, we kind of dropped everything else that we were doing. We went full steam ahead into uh into cpe and uh that was i guess four years ago ish now and it's it's yeah it's been it's been a, a heck of a ride since and and what's your model for this now so we sell primarily b2b we sell into firms we sell into uh industry companies um that buy it for their team other people can purchase it themselves like individually on on the website we have ios android as well but also a web app I think um, something that's different is like we've integrated all of that into the actual app experience. So you listen on our app, you, you know, you bookmark, you can offline listen, you can do all the stuff that you do on a regular podcast app on our, in our ecosystem. We even do have video capabilities for things like financial modeling courses and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we track all your CPE or CPD there. You can upload external CPE or CPD onto the platform and, uh, and yeah, so by and large, we, we, we sell it in various different ways. There's either an annual subscription or you can, if you're a bigger company, you can buy it essentially on a usage plan. So, uh, so yeah, it is, it, it is a little bit different. We do have a paywall. You can go and check it out for free if you want to, you know, just check it out yourself. Um, but yeah. Yep. So, but you're looking at it, like I said, as for, for to the to the firm uh, rather than to the individual. And do you do do you also do white labeled content as well? We we don't do purely white label content. The vast majority of our content was built by us in house. And the reason for that is we look at it. We looked at the market out there, and we said, well, there's a lot of great entertaining podcasts. There's a lot of great in the sense of great educationally content. 
But what we wanted to do is take those two and mash them together into what we call edutainment, right? How do we take something that's fun and exciting, but also really teaches you something that you can learn, uh, that you can learn from and apply in a practical way to your job. And so we build the vast majority of it in-house. We do everything from interview style podcasts with really cool leaders like uh, CFOs of Shopify or Slack or Yelp. Um, to, you know, CEOs. And we did one with the inventor of Amazon Alexa. We got one with the CEO of Nike coming up, people like that. But we also actually do full narrative style scripted podcasts as well. Um, so that would be something like unpacking Lego. Lego almost went bankrupt like 18 years ago. We did a massive episode on, on how they recovered from that and ended up being the superstar private company they are today. All sorts of different things there. We do work from time to time with other providers. And they've got great subject matter expertise, financial modeling course. I mentioned a great group called the Marquee Group, best financial modeling course I've ever seen in my life. And we brought it onto our platform, video style, workbooks, all of the things that you would want to, to, to work along with it. All right. Well, outstanding. Uh, I'm a proud member of the intersection of both of your your platforms. So I'm the, I'm part that's of the right. Venn diagram that's in the <laughs> sliver in the middle. But we are up against our first break. want to remind you that you can get hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. We have our show archive going back where you can look at and listen to all 300 and now 88 episodes of The Soul of Enterprise. But right now, a word from our sponsor, and, and I'll talk to you later. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul? I absolutely have. What if I told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast? I'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download... Oh, oh my fraud. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the problems with CPE with Blake Oliver and Michael Kravchik. And Mike, I have a question for you. Yeah. Can an American get credit taking your courses, since I would imagine you're regulated from Canada? Actually, we are fully NASBA certified. Um, we're, we're good to go all across the U.S. Uh, we did start in Canada, but we love to spend time with our American friends. And actually, the head of our podcasting studio, uh, she built the podcast studio at the Washington Post. She's an American. We, uh, we love our friends down south. So yes, you absolutely can do that. Awesome. So, Blake, you mentioned that the model you think is broken. Why is that the traditional CP model? I think it's because we measure inputs, not learning. Right. But, right. Yeah. But, but what's your critique of it? Well, if, uh, you know, of course, the the real problem is that we measure how much CP we get in terms of hours, right? And it's not not what you learn, and so it creates this situation where you have people earning hours of CPE, but are they actually learning anything? We're not measuring that uh, because we measure the time. That's the easy thing to measure. And of course, the funny thing is that, you know, it's, it's not even the actual amount of time that you are learning because it ends up being like a 50 minute, 50 minutes is an hour. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's rounded and then, up. And the funny thing, when I started doing these self-study courses to fit into the NASBA uh, requirements is that uh, the audio video duration is actually less than 50 minutes because the questions themselves have a value of 0.85 minutes per question. And I wonder how they came up with that. So, so what you do is you, you take your audio video duration and you add 1.85 minutes times the number of quiz questions and you get your total, total value. And that has to exceed 50 minutes to be an hour of CPE. So explaining that is always fun uh, to yeah. our authors, but yeah, it's, it's, um, I think the problem is that it's been so inconvenient to earn CPE and people wait until the very end that often they'll just buy a, a, a bunch of courses or, or they'll go sit in a, at a conference and just sit through all the CPE to get it done in a few days. And it's just, we all know that you can't learn like that. That'd be like taking all the books that you read during the year and just doing it all in one week. You'll never retain any of the information. And so um, one of my hopes is that if we get people to be able to do it on their phone, you know, uh, Michael and I can change the industry for the better by helping people learn continuously throughout the year. They go on and they're driving to work and they listen to 20 minutes. And then on the way home, they listen to another 20 minutes and they're thinking and digesting it throughout the day and throughout the week. And that's, that's how we make it better. Michael, I used to think that one of the ways you could have made the old system better was to let the instructor grade the participants and they wouldn't get their hours unless they participated or somehow demonstrated some type of competence or grasp of the material. But what, what's your critique of CPE? Look, I, th I think everything that Blake said is absolutely on the nose. Um, the measurement side of it I mean, to me, that it's kind of downstream from the real problem in, in my mind. The real problem is that you don't want to do it and you wait until the end because a lot of it isn't great. 
And that's why we took the approach of like, hey, we want to go build content that people are going to want to listen to because it's engaging, because they're getting value out of it. And then, okay, all the annoying regulatory measurement side of all that, we're just going to take that off your hands. So we make it super easy and simple to get through all of those hoops that they set up. But fundamentally, it's about creating content that people want to listen to. I listen to hours and hours of podcasts today, including Blake's podcast, one of one of the ones on my on my roster. It's a great podcast, and I am not a cloud expert by any means. So if I want to, you know, increase my chops there, that's that's the place to go. And and that's the thing is that people have been listening to his podcast for years because it's great content, not because you get CPD credits for it. And that's what we wanted to do in general. And we wanted to do that across the whole gamut. And what you see a lot of times in CPE is kind of the, the tired old kind of lecture style approach that people have placed on a webinar platform, which is by and large a 1990s era webinar platform. Um, rather than going and saying, well, how do we actually optimize the learning experience for a truly digital environment and a way of consuming it that is like what Blake mentioned, doing it while you're in the car, while you're at the gym, while you're walking their, your dog, or while well, what I'm doing a lot of times is you know changing diapers or cleaning up spit up or whatever it might be. <laughs> Those are the situations where you can actually make use of your time. Because let's be honest, everybody is busy. You got too much to do, not enough time to do it. So can you fit it into that time? Well, yeah, but you know what? I'm not, I'm going to have a real hard time paying attention to somebody just droning on about tax rules when I'm changing my, my baby's diaper. When I'm hearing from, I don't know, the, 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 I don't know, let's say when I'm hearing from Ed Class about value-based pricing, that I can actually listen to because the guy is a riot anytime he opens his mouth. Right. And that's, and that's what we wanted to do with CPE is make it exciting, make it interesting. And so, uh, so I agree with all, all the all the earlier points. I just think that fundamentally, it's like if you make the core value of the content something people want to listen to, then all that other stuff just becomes, you know, obviously important stuff on top of it. But, but you know, uh, downstream from from the real problem. And Blake, I think we talked about this once on a phone call. I, I don't remember, but. Are you guys familiar with what the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales did? And I want to say this was about 10 years ago now. It's been a while with their CP. I think they call it CPD too. Yeah, I think we did. But I, I've forgotten. Remind me. You make an annual declaration and you tell the Institute what your educational goals are for the coming year, how you're going to achieve it, books, podcasts, lectures, discussions, online courses, graduate programs, whatever. And then at the end of the year, and you tell them how it relates to your job, your responsibilities and your competencies, what new things do you want to learn? At the end of the year, you tell them how good you did. And, and if you read the requirements, and I can put it in the chat if you guys want this, it's fascinating. The, the whole document is like, use your professional judgment. Use your professional judgment. There's no hours. There's nothing. Just tell us what you want to learn, why do you want to learn it, how it's going to help you, and then whether or not you did. It does say <laughs> we, we will randomly select members for review on an annual basis. So they do spot audits. But all, the, all of our colleagues who are under this regime have told us that people do more CPE as a result of this. Interesting. Well, well, now that Michael and I have invested in building technology to automate compliance with all of these standards, we really hope they don't change. 
<laughs> yeah, now you guys are you, you guys are locked into the, the you guys regime are now, right? But but this is kind of my but but this is kind of my point, Blake. You might be better off if they got rid of those regulations yeah. because people would do it more. They'd be more conscientious. Well, I'm just thinking you what you could both do because I think both of you can't do this now. You could actually put you, you could have your players could go at tw- tw- double speed. Yeah, actually, I'm, you know, Michael, it's, I'm, it's I'm, actually something that we're building right now. But, uh, oh, cool. Yeah. So, th- so, yeah, I'm not sure how this will fly. I'm curious what your uh, take is, Michael, on this, if you have consulted with anyone. But, yeah, there's there's nothing that would suggest that you can't fast play and get still get the same amount of credit. Okay, so th- I got to hear this story. Michael, so what have you heard about this? this yeah, well, so so as as we understand it, what Blake said is absolutely the case. Now, that's not the case here in Canada. In Canada, it actually is purely on an hour system. One minute is one minute is one minute. <laughs> there's no credits. There's no any of that. I mean, people call them credits, but it's really time-based. And actually, what we did to try to make that a little bit more uh, accessible is make it minute-based rather than hour-based. So some of our podcasts are 37 minutes or 53 minutes or 79 minutes or whatever it turns into. And you actually get credit for every additional minute, whereas with other platforms, oftentimes it'll be whatever, an hour 15, but you're only getting an hour. Um, look, on, on the listening speed side of things, it, it's, it's, a tr- it's a tricky one. And I, you know, I, I obviously, we'd want to make sure that, that NASBA is completely giving the thumbs up on it. It's not a hard feature for us to build, um, just given that like, our, our company is fundamentally a tech company, I guess, or it started that way. Now we're kind of a tech company and a content house put together. Um, so actually building those things is, is not difficult for us. But, you know, going to your, your initial question uh, there, Ron, I think it kind of links back to what I, what I said before. I'm, I'm interested in experimenting with how we do this. I think fundamentally the point is people need to continue to upskill to be relevant in terms of helping your clients or helping the company that you work for achieve whatever goals you're trying to you're, you're, you're trying to accomplish. And so it brings me back to like, if we are creating content that is valuable and interesting and engaging, something people want to do and they get true, just actual knowledge and value out of, they're going to keep doing it, whether it's required in a specific way or it, it flows by kind of the, um, the UK standards there. Um, so that's, the, and that's why, I mean, look, it's, believe me, it's, it's a weird thing to go and tell a venture capitalist, Hey, we're actually building a content business. Well, why don't you make it a tech platform? Right. And well, it is kind of a tech platform, but the content is such a big component of it. And we had, I can tell you about two years ago, we had a VC put a, a nice looking check in front of us and say, Hey guys do this, but you can't build content anymore. You have to go and do it in some other way that we perceive as being more scalable. And we said no, because to us, if we're really going to change CPE, it's got to start with the value of what you're putting in front of people, just full stop. Right. Content is king. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. look, I mean, just to say, I know we're running, running out of time in this segment, but when you compare the value of certain platforms that build their own content versus platforms that just license, con- license content and you know reposition it for other people, there's a reason that... Netflix, despite their big stock drop recently, um, Netflix, Prime, Apple, Disney, like they're, they're just better platforms than the ones that don't have that kind of content behind what they're doing. And you see it even in the audio world with Spotify. There's a reason they paid Joe Rogan a hundred million bucks. You know, it, it's because they wanted the great content. 
Yeah, yeah. People think Netflix is so scalable because it's digital. It's like you don't understand. These people are buying the most expensive talent in the world: actors, yeah. producers, you know, directors. This is not cheap. This is more. It's ten times more expensive than knowledge workers. Hundred percent. Um. That's awesome. I, I had another question for you. Do you guys think, well, let me, let me ask you this before we break the Institute, which I'm, I, I think what they're doing is spot on as CPAs, put aside your CP business as CPAs. Shouldn't we be governed and regulated under a regime like that, that trusts us as professionals rather than treats us like children where we have to account for every minute of our CP. I, I, that's the dream. That's the world I would like to live in. Is that a world that we will ever have? I doubt it. I I mean, I hate to be, <laughs> I hate to be a downer, but it's just it's hard to imagine uh, the regime changing like that here. They did it there, yeah. and they started the profession. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, for point. what it's worth, on our on our side, we were lucky to be chosen by the AICPA and CPA.com as as part of their accelerator program this year. And when I talk to those people, they have a lot of great, like they want to innovate. And I think that there is some inertia in terms of like, you know, there are people who have been in the profession for a long time and there are barriers that prevent them from making some of those, those changes that I think are structural and not human capital related so much as just like, this is how it's always been done. Um, so I think, you know, what, what that end goal looks like, I don't know, but I guess being the entrepreneur that I am and using that side of my brain, it's like, iterate, iterate. It's cool that the UK tried that. Is that optimal? I don't know. Let's try a bunch of different things and see what comes out as the best way for people to, to do this. Right. I think they've stuck with it. I think it, it's working pretty well. So apparently yeah. when they, when they randomly audit people, they they're complying and they're complying at a higher level than they were mm. before. I mean, I think that's one of the problems with the hours, the 80 hour or whatever it is, um, the minimum becomes the maximum. Yeah. And that's a problem yeah. when it comes to lifelong learning. Why put a maximum on it? It's crazy. I, I love I love that comment because we see it. We see it so many people that listen to a ton of LumaQ and then they just stop at whatever the, the limit is. But then again, there are those like 20% of people that are going and they're listening to like five times the limit because they've shifted their mentality around it. And I'll just say this when we launched, the, the kind of slogan to our company is enjoy CPE or enjoy CPD. And every single person that we showed this to in the first year, they just chuckle. They'd be like, come on, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to enjoy getting my teeth pulled at the dentist. Like right. that, that, that's the perception in people's mind. And it's too bad because it, it needs to change. Learning is so important. So anyway. Yeah. Well, this is great. You guys, it's flying by. And folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact me or Ed, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Do check out our Patreon channel. And you can subscribe to that at patreon.com slash T-S-O-E, and that channel and that show is now sponsored by 90 Minds. Need a mind, hire a mind, check them out at 90minds.com. And now, a word from our sponsors. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. 
These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and we are talking about the problems with cpe with blake oliver and michael kravchek uh, Blake, you wanted to, to share with our audience something about this this notion of of the, the challenges with cpe and 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 so take take it from there yeah, I, so this is following Ron's comment uh, or uh, news item about the uh, what was it Wales you said or Scotland? Mm-hmm. Yeah, England, Wales. Wales. England, yeah. Wales, Scotland. So, so um, I, I, one of the things I wasn't aware of that I've become more aware of as I have gotten into the CPE world is that a lot of state societies and the AICPA make they make a lot of money from selling CPE courses, and so I think that's part of the reason that it's hard to change this is that even though these are not for profits, there's a lot of people who are dependent on that revenue for their jobs. Yep. Um, and actually, I, I'm not going to say which society it was because I work, I work with a bunch of them in the past and I have relationships with them. But one of them, uh, when they learned that I was doing Earmark CPE, when I was creating Earmark, they said, um, I'm sorry, but we can't work with you anymore. You're a competitor yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that to be shocking like these are organizations that are supposed to improve the professional competency of CPAs and they're viewing themselves as competing with other education providers. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Scott Zaret of uh, CP, CPA, CPA Academy. Academy. I yeah. mean, he, he turned their world upside down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, there, if there was a list of most hated people in the CPA fresh, profession, the two of you and Scott would be on the list. I'm telling you, like, I'm not, I'm pretty serious about this. I want to thank God that most CPAs are nonviolent. So, Michael. What you... well, look, for, for, what it, for what it's worth, one of the things that I thought was delightfully refreshing about the United States is that NASBA doesn't do that. NASBA is truly an independent uh, body in this whole kind of ecosystem. And I thought that that was a really, really well-structured system in that way. Unfortunately, in Canada, what you see is the organizations themselves, they sell CPE, they provide the, they ultimately, I mean, it's a little bit different in the sense that we actually build our CPE or CPD regulations into legislation. So they can't turn the regulations at the tip of a hat. 
takes time and energy and going through parliament and all that. But fundamentally, they're the people that audit you. So it's it's kind of all wrapped into one organization rather than splitting it out and having, I mean, we are talking to accountants, I guess, so a little bit of segregation of duties there that I think is is important for keeping the machine running well. So for whatever that's worth, I, I think that that's a really, that's a really, really great aspect of how it's structured in, in the U.S. Well, and Michael, I was talking to Adam at a conference that we were both at earlier this week, yeah. and he, he, we had lunch together, and he, he was he was mentioning how they, they compete with one another viciously, the, the federal and, and, and the, the province, uh, like, you know, CPA yes. Canada versus CPA Ontario. They're, like, beating that crap out of each other for this stuff. <laughs> it's 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 honestly it's 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 interesting because when you talk to CPAs, most of them it, uh, don't even know that they are two different bodies. That like the provincial body and the and the and the national body are are different. I have a lot of hope that 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 is that we're coming to a better place on that. Some of the people that have put in, been put in charge and on the board of these organizations are really fantastic people. I think they're looking out for the best of the profession and they're trying to unravel some of this. Um, Again, it's it's kind of just the bureaucratic um, uh, uh, survival instinct that has existed in these organizations, and and I, I have real hopes that that we're moving away from that. But yes, that's exactly what's happening. I pay twelve hundred bucks a year for my CPA license in Canada, and half of it goes to the national body, half of it goes to the provincial body, and then they compete with each other with that money. And that's it's it's an unfortunate thing for for the CPAs in, in Canada. And then you have to pay more money for the courses. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Right. Yeah! Absolutely. That <laughs> I doesn't include that. Like what? Yeah. So what does no, the member that's... fee pay for if we're not getting education out of it? The three letters. <laughs> three letters. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I look at the salaries. I look at the salaries of the people running these organizations, and they are well, quite inflated. It seems. Given their yeah, well, let me tell you, the, the population of Canada is roughly the same as like New York or California. I think actually California is a little bigger than Canada now. And I, I live in Ontario. CPA Ontario and CPA Canada, both organizations have about $100 million a year budget. Um, so these are big organizations. These are not like small little regulatory bodies. They are big organizations who, as you said, they're looking out for their, their interests. Do you guys and, see... Oh. Go ahead. No, go ahead. no, keep keep on running. I, I was just going to ask you, do you think, because I started teaching CP in 1994 for California CPA Society, and I have done a lot of CPA, CP across the 50 states. And, you know, we used to get two, 300 people in some of our earlier courses, like in the 90s. And, of course, that's dropped precipitously over the, you know, especially with COVID. But even before COVID, it was trending down. The people that would show up, for live CP for a full day, you know, they were, they were one and a half times my age for crying out loud. So they, it was, you think this is dying or do you think it's already dead and it just hasn't been buried yet? I'm talking I'm, live CPE besides conferences. Right. Uh, well, I think both live CPE and conferences, uh, we'll find out this year if they come back and next year, but I, I, I think they're, they're trending down and they're not going to recover to where they were. It's not a growth industry because people yeah. have realized they can do things from home and it's so much more efficient, so much more effective. Like, like for me, I, I, I went, took three days out of my week to go present to 200 people. In the past, that would have been great. I would have been super stoked about that. These days, every single week on my podcast, I talk to 2,500 people from the comfort of this chair 
in my home. Yep. Why would I travel yeah. mm -hmm. ever again? And, and, you know, I think we're reaching people that never could travel before. If you think about it, doing the in-person stuff is really um, excluding a lot of people who don't have flexibility. People who yeah. got to stay home and take care of their family, who have disabilities, are just too... For people that aren't living in big city centers, right? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're somewhere outside of, you know, those big cities, it's just, a, it's just a pain. It's difficult to get out to them. Yeah. So, you know, I do, think we can, we can reach way more people this way. Do either of you guys have demographic information? Like, I'm just interested in the age of the people that use your platform. Is it older? Is it younger? Is it all across the board? We, we do. Uh, but here's the thing. The vast majority of our clients, as I mentioned, are corporate clients. And what we're seeing is usage everywhere from the CFOs, even CEOs, if they're designated, all the way down the line. I think what does change quite a bit, and we see this, I mean, not only across age, but across kind of every different dimension that you could think of, is that nobody, there, there is no such thing as the best CPE podcast. Right. If I log on to your Netflix, I'm going to see a totally different grouping of, of content than if I log on to ads or, or Blake's. And that's what we see is that everybody wants something different out of it. And so we see it really across the age spectrum, but it, it just depends. Like you, you do see them um, gravitate towards different types of content, depending on, as I said, age, but other things as well. Yeah, I don't really know other than just anecdotally based on the people reaching out to me, who is listening all that well, because podcasts, they weren't designed to collect analytics in the first place. Right. Uh, we're we're going to work on that. But I would say that my, my anecdotal evidence is it's definitely younger and it's definitely um, it's people from all over the place. And I'm, yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm actually happy to say that I think we've turned a bunch of those people that are like, you know, a little bit older and weren't really podcast listeners uh, into that. We do have, it's one advantage. We don't put our podcasts on the RSS feeds uh, like, like you guys would for, for regular podcasts. We get all sorts of data. Like we, we get lots of really, really interesting stuff that you just can't get through your traditional RSS feeds. And I don't know, is anybody here familiar with Luminary, the, um, the podcasting company uh they were funny enough that was the name of our job board company that's why we had to change our name to lumiq uh, because we didn't want to get into a, a whole trademark battle over over something like that but luminary tried to become the netflix of podcasting and when they launched what they tried to do is intercede into the data that the actual podcasts that they were hosting uh would get from the rss feeds which is already limited and the backlash was so huge that they immediately had to change, change course on it. So like, I think everybody recognizes that data is, a, is such an important part of this. And it is, it's just, I mean, you know, I'd like to uh, pretend that it was, you know, our brilliance on our part that led us to being in this situation, but it, it was just the happenstance of how we built our business that allows us to get all sorts of really, really interesting stuff. Yeah. All right. Great stuff, guys. We're up against our last break. Want to remind you to contact Ron or me by sending that email to asktsoe at verisage.com, the website, The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see up show notes, previews to upcoming shows. But right now, a word from our sponsor, and this time, my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSO and subscribe today please for the love of god make it stop have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul i absolutely have what if i told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast i'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download Oh Oh My My Fraud. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well, welcome back everybody we're talking with blake oliver and michael kravchik and guys i want to ask you what is the biggest problem issue facing the profession michael i'll start with you Sure. I think um, if I could boil it down, it's what what you see is I, one of two directions that various bodies like institutes are taking. One is we're going to just focus on the things that we traditionally did. And the other is we're going to try to turn the CPA into effectively an MBA, which is trying to be the master of everything, you know, jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. Um, and we saw this uh, certainly in Canada uh, a couple of years ago, and I think the new leadership there has walked this back where they tried, they have these ads that was like, you know, do you want to know about how machine learning affects your enterprise? Ask a CPA. I'm saying like, don't ask a CPA. They're not going to know what the hell to tell you. <laughs> right? Like, like well, talk about a way to shoot our credibility when somebody asks you about something you don't know anything about. And, and, and so I think that what we need to do is recognize the profession is changing, but focus on the core things that make us really good at, at what we do. I mean, it's, it's understanding data. I mean, at the end of the day, what are financials? It is data. And whether it's financial data or non-financial data, that seems like an irrelevant uh, uh, segregation of that space. Data is critically important. We should be the masters of data within an organization. And then there are other things across the spectrum that really attune to those kind of signature pieces that CPAs were always good at. One of them, internal controls and process. I mean, it's not always the sexiest thing in the world, but 
I was an internal control and process consultant after my time at, at EY. I went to productivity and did that there. And like, that is not going away. No matter what kind of systems we implement, even when, you know, the Terminator is here, you know, trying to take over the world, but we're going to hope that those internal controls are there to make sure that the T-1000 doesn't, you know, put his, put his huge jackknife to our head or whatever he was going to do. And so I think that's the, the issue is a lack of focus on what do we actually mean? What does it mean to be a CPA? And focusing on the core skills that make us who we are and just evolving that into the current needs of the market based on those skills. Awesome. Blake, what do you think? So I think the question is answered differently depending on whether or not we're talking about accountants who work in public companies and serve public companies and those who serve small businesses, private companies. So I'll start with the public companies, which is something I've always been hesitant to talk about because I got my start as a bookkeeper. Yeah, I'm a CPA, but I've never worked with Fortune 500 companies. I've never been a big four auditor. So who am I to come talk about this stuff, right? But um, I can't keep my so mouth shut. now you'll shut. go talk about it. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I can't keep my mouth shut. And I feel like I feel like I've I've learned enough from reading mostly Ron and Ed's listening to Ron and Ed's show and then reading Ron's books and um, I, I and also working in technology companies now and seeing how they operate. I think actually the root of our problem is that our accounting standards, the rules of accounting, haven't changed in a hundred years, but our economy has changed a lot, and. Really, the problem is lack of relevance because the data that we are collecting is just not useful the way it was during the Gilded Age. You know, back then, investors in railroads and factories really valued the information that accountants provided. And the work of auditors was super important in validating that information to protect capital markets, to protect investors, to give them useful information. And we developed methods of cost accounting that are ideal for those kinds of businesses. But we don't live in a manufacturing industrial economy anymore. We live in a knowledge economy, in a subscription economy. And we haven't updated our accounting standards to give investors useful information. And technology, B2B SaaS, subscription-based businesses are the perfect example of how accounting completely fails. Gap is useless at describing those businesses. And we've seen it over years and years where all of these uh, companies like Salesforce were, were, were not understood. Um, Teen Zuo talks about how when he was at Salesforce, they had conversations over and over again with investors who just couldn't grasp that Salesforce was, tra was trading at you know, 200 times earnings. And he's trying to explain to them, we're a subscription business. We're investing in ARR and, and, and an intangible asset that we call our subscribers. And so uh, until accounting standards update to deal with this whole world of intangible assets that we live in, our value is going to continue to decline. Um, I'm sorry to cut in, but I just have to say I'm raising around right now. And what you're describing is so on the mark. I don't even include our recognized revenue line item as something in our debt because it's just irrelevant. We talk about either billings or ARR, Anyways, you just had to say, like, you're just hitting the nail on the head there. Customer lifetime value divided by cost to acquire a customer. That ratio means more to investors than any gap metric. And yet, when I was researching this, I was looking up definitions 
for um, customer lifetime value, LTV. There's not even consensus on whether or not you uh, include gross margin or, or bottom line or, yeah. or just revenue, yeah. which is insane yeah. to me that there are companies that are providing this information and, and one version of it is revenue and one version of it is gross profit to calculate lifetime value. The, they're vastly different outcomes. And like as accountants, couldn't we just define that? Couldn't FASB say, let's come up with a common definition for LTV and CAC? And they, yeah. they don't. And so like, this is the problem where um, there's another great stat. I think you guys talk about it where intangible assets have risen over the last 30 years to be 90% of the fair market value of the S&P 500. And they're not on the balance sheet most of the time. So, yeah. so how can audit be valuable? Like, why would anyone care about an audit when you're only auditing 10% of the assets? We, it's funny because we actually built an entire course. We called it the innovation controller because it's like, okay, what have we done historically is we've controlled assets. But as you said, so much of it is intangible right. now. So we, we called it the innovation controller. So that's actually teaching accountants how to maintain and, and uh, protect the intellectual property that these companies, all the intangible assets that these companies have have built, but it's not in our skill set. It's yeah. not taught to us to become a CPA, and that seems really off the mark. So, what I hope to do, and I I know Michael, you're doing the same thing, is with our CPE platforms, is give people access to this knowledge they're not getting in school because the CPA exam doesn't test you on how to do this stuff because it's not part of the standards. Yeah, uh, but you need it to be successful. So. You know, we're, we're, we'll do our part until hopefully the SEC, FASB catch up at some point. I, I don't know. Well, and, and what you end up seeing is actually some of the true problems that accounting came in to solve originally. As you said, there's no defined way of actually coming up with your customer acquisition cost or your lifetime value. And you see situations like actually, I mean, I'm happy maybe this is a little bit of a flex, but we actually have a negative churn every year. Every year, our, our, our customers are worth more to us than they were the year before because they increased their seats and things like that with our, with our platform. How do you even calculate lifetime value? Normally, it's you know how many dollars per year divided by how many years they're going to be a customer. Well, so right. if you do that, our lifetime value for a customer is infinite. <laughs> okay, well, that's not a very yeah. useful financial yeah. metric for us. And, and, and if, account, this is a perfect place for accountants to come in and apply what we've always done, which is make numbers comparable and, yeah. and relevant for decision-making, uh, which, which we don't have. Yeah. And so when Netflix loses 200,000 subscribers, the market doesn't freak out because <laughs> yeah. you know, there's other metrics that are provided to put that in context, right? right. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Awesome. Well, this has been great, you guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Ron, I'm already starting my disclaimers. We're going to talk about ESG. We respectfully dissent. And boy, do I. All right. Awesome. I will see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. But in the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.
Find out what...